This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, June 8th, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. Terrorists want us to overreact, and American politicians are often more than willing to provide that overreaction. Often it comes in the form of policies that provide more political benefits than security benefits. Ben Friedman, a research fellow in defense and homeland security studies at the Cato Institute, is co-editor of the new Cato book, Terrorizing Ourselves, Why U.S. Counterterrorism Policy is Failing and How to Fix It. He spoke on Capitol Hill May 25th. Because this is a democracy, uh, public demand for overreaction encourages uh, overwrought and wasteful policies, policies that do more harm than good because of their cost, because their cost outweighs their benefit. Uh, One such overreaction in my book was the creation of the Department of Homeland Security itself, but I I think that's a a reaction that I think we're stuck with. Another example I could give you uh, is uh, the changes in immigration policy in the United States since 9-11, which have made it a lot harder for immigrants, uh, including very well-educated immigrants, to enter the country just because we've added a lot of hassle. Um, And I think that's kept out a a large number of people who uh, down the road might have started uh, profitable companies that would have employed a lot of people, people that would have gone uh, into our universities and contributed useful research and caused scientific innovation. So we paid a very large cost for those those restrictions, and they're off the books. They're an opportunity cost that we don't really see. And I think that that's an an example of uh, an overreaction. Uh, The costs outweigh the benefits. John uh, Mueller is going to give more detail Uh, about the sort of analysis uh, needed to arrive at these sort of conclusions about costs and benefits. Um, uh, But I, I, again, I want to focus on on what to do about it, on on, um, uh, how we deal with this tendency to overreact. Now, one answer, I guess, is is you don't do anything about it. The answer is nothing, or at best you try to appeal to the general public uh, not to overreact. Um, uh, because, uh, again, it's a democracy, and you could just say, well, the way it plays out is that people's preferences manifest themselves in government programs, and if you don't like them, so what? That's the way the system works. I, um, I, I don't uh, take that approach. I think that because people make systematic mistakes about risk, uh, and because they lack the incentive to investigate uh, the success of the means to the goals they prefer from government, Uh, We need mechanisms in government uh, that encourage trade-offs between economy and security. We need self-evaluating organizations uh, in government that ask themselves whether the policies they're working on are somewhat cost-effective. Now, one uh, place in government that we ought to do that is congressional oversights commit congressional oversight committees, Uh, but limitations in staff and time uh, mean that we need to build these mechanisms. Uh, and, and this sort of self-evaluation into the executive branch. And uh, as I'll discuss, we have ways of doing that now in the executive branch, in, in, uh, in, in regulatory policy, in the Defense Department, um, and in things like the creation of inspector generals that um, often go against the agency that they work with. Um, but we need to do it, we need to do it more in, in Homeland Security. Um, so okay, on to the meat of my presentation. I'm going to give you three strategies for uh, containing overreaction to terrorism. Let me start with the most cynical, which is uh, security theater. Here you meet demand for uh, public demand for overreaction to danger by pretending to provide it. Uh, you put on a little security show and make a lot of noise about it. Um, and uh, don't really do that much. Don't do anything that's particularly costly. The, the big, the sort of quintessential example of this was uh, putting National Guard troops, whose I believe a lot of uh, uh, their weapons were unarmed in airports after 9-11. Now, this did not provide any real benefit in terms of preventing hijackings, I think, 
but it provided a sense of security, um, which is a real social good, and it maybe it could have helped assuage demand for more harmful uh, policies like keeping flights grounded. So that's security theater. Security theater can also occur more positively. Uh, you can try to redirect the political energy created by excessive fear to more useful or at least less harmful ends that, that do le uh, little or nothing to reduce the threat that created that sort of political energy. Um, and uh, I'll give you an example. Um, after, uh, uh, in 1957, after the Soviets launched the Sputnik satellite, there was great panic in the United States about Soviet ICBM missile programs and feared that uh, they were ahead of us. And when they uh, succeeded uh, in, in making a working nuke, they would go ahead and nuke us. Um, and, and there was great demand uh, led by uh, senatorial uh, presidential hopefuls, including John F. Kennedy, to increase defense spending to try to meet this threat. President Eisenhower uh, did not share uh, the public's concern about ICBM programs. He knew that our ICM programs uh, were actually ahead of those of the Soviets, and uh, he believed in deterrence, I think. Um, and he was against increasing defense spending for a whole host of reasons. But his efforts to stem alarm, uh, he gave a series of speeches called the chin-up speeches, where he was uh, telling people we're going to be okay. Uh, it didn't really work, and there continued to be this demand for increased defense spending and a public sense of panic. So, the Eisenhower administration wound up doing a bunch of stuff uh, to react to the threat, and uh, that was inexpensive. They, um, they uh, reorganized our space programs, uh, which, which is how we got NASA, and they put a lot of federal funds into education and uh, scientific research. Now, this did not do a great deal uh, to meet the Soviet ICBM threat in the near term, but it did do something to meet the political demand for wasteful responses to that threat. So I, that's a, a good example of security theater directing the energy into useful ends. A more nefarious example, in my opinion, uh, was the Bush administration's effort to sell its uh, foreign policy agenda, its bellicose foreign policy agenda, on the back of the terrorist threat, particularly the war in Iraq, uh, by using the terrorist threat. They were taking the political energy created by 9-11 and putting it somewhere uh, that didn't have too much to do with it. Um, so that's number one, security theater. Number two, no, the second strategy to contain overreaction is to encourage agencies or their subcomponents sub to fight for mission and budget, security agencies. Uh, so the most effective means of providing some goal, some good, uh, such as the mitigation of the terrorist danger, ought to gain resources and pride of place at the expense of less efficient means. Um, and if security agencies or their subcomponents fight uh, for budget, they might have reason to demonstrate how uh, their method of providing the defense that we're interested in works more effectively than their rival organizations, and even to denigrate the threat that their rival organizations uh, defend against. Um, and that can generate information for policymakers and the public. One, one way to accomplish this is management. So uh, hypothetically, if you would have said after 9-11 that we need to get better at counterterrorism uh, and that security budgets are now considered zero sum, meaning that if one grows, uh, somebody else in the security budget realm, in the Pentagon or DHS, which wasn't yet created, or the intelligence community has to pay for it. Uh, so then agencies within the Pentagon, the, uh, the intelligence community, and those uh, that became DHS uh, would compete to demonstrate that they best fight uh, the terrorist threat using their budget justification documents and other public statements uh, uh, to show why they deserve more budget uh, or the mission they prefer at the expense of their rivals. And if I think if you would have responded to 9-11 by increasing funding for DHS, the, the FBI, and the intelligence agencies, uh, as we did, but instead you'd paid for it out of the military budget um, rather than just 
lifting all boats, having a tie that lifted all boats of spending. You might have encouraged the military services to protect their, their budget and resources by going after the idea that has caused this change, going after the threat perception that has taken their funds away. And I think that would be a useful fight, potentially. It might just lead to competing threat inflation, but it also might be a useful fight that, that informed the public and policymakers. Ben Friedman is a research fellow in defense and homeland security studies at the Cato Institute. He is co-editor of the new Cato book, Terrorizing Ourselves. You can get your copy at Cato.org.